Welcome to Sports History 101, a production of the Saints Sports Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sports History 101. I am your host, Ray Delgado. We appreciate you joining us for what will hopefully be one of many times in the future. Today, our subject will be the amazing Nancy Lopez, arguably the most popular and well-liked female golfer in the history of the LPGA, which I'll explain what the LPGA is later. And she was also one of the most dominant. Nancy Lopez was born in Torrance, California on January 6th, 1957 to her parents, Domingo and Marina Lopez, who owned an auto body shop. Her father gave Nancy her first set of golf clubs at eight years old. And golf, even then and now, is regarded as something of an upper class, upper middle class sport because you really need, need money to play golf. But that didn't stop Nancy Lopez. She practiced at the local municipal course, the nine hole course, municipal meaning it was owned by the city and, you know, wasn't a country club or anything like that, but still got the job done because at age nine, she won her group, her age group at the California state golf championships. So very early on, she was having success. Not long after that, her family moved to Roswell, New Mexico. Yes, Roswell, the alien capital of well, at least the U.S. that I know of. I don't know of any other alien capitals where everyone thinks that there are UFO sightings all the time. Anyway, just a few short years after moving to New Mexico, still practicing golf all that she could, she won the New Mexico Women's Amateur at 12 years old in 1969. That wasn't capped by an age requirement. It wasn't a, a U18 or a U15 thing or anything like that. That was the Women's Amateur, meaning anyone of any age could compete and she beat everybody when she was 12 years old at 15 years old she won the united states girls junior championships which means you have to be under 18 in 1972 she won that and then in 1973 she was the medalist for the stroke play rounds with 144 so to explain to what that is for people who don't know the U.S. Open or the U.S. Amateur, the U.S. you know Junior Championships, things like that. What they do normal golf is well now normal golf is stroke play, which means you just play golf and you tally up your all of your strokes at the end, and that's what you you end up with. Well, for these tournaments like this, like the U.S. Girls Junior Championships, you play two rounds of stroke play, and then you have to be within a certain you have to finish in the top however many. And then after that, you go into match play where it's basically a hole-by-hole hole match where the total strokes doesn't matter so much as what you do against the person on each hole. So to run that back a little bit, in 72, she won the whole thing. In 1973, she won the stroke play portion of it but was knocked out at some point in the match play and then in 1974, she won it for a second time, beating her opponent seven and five, which means she was up seven with only five holes to play. So mathematically, the opponent could never win. And that's a, a huge victory. Usually you'll win a match play event, you know, three and two, like with only maybe two holes to play, one hole to play, even, you know, goes down to the final hole. But she won 
basically on the 13th green, she they packed it up, which is fantastic. When Nancy went to high school, there was no girls golf team. So naturally, she joined the boys team and had pretty pretty good success. She won two state titles uh, playing for the boys, playing with the boys. And there isn't much documentation really on that, but it can only be assumed that she was probably the main reason, if not you know, one of the top two main reasons that they did win those two state championships. Coming out of high school in 1975, she was the number one golf recruit in the country. Helped along by placing second in the U.S. Women's Open. Again, that's not a, a capped, an age-capped thing. That's any professional golfer or really amateur golfer that wants to play in it. It's capped, obviously, with a certain number of people. Uh, but any one of those can play in it, who can play in it, you know, that it's fair game. And she was second in that. And it's also just, it's one of the biggest tournaments on the professional golf calendar. And she, as an amateur, she wasn't even professional yet, and was a high school senior, placed second. And also in that year, she won the Mexican amateur, which is, again, any amateur golfer, so it's not professional golfer, but any amateur golfer can enter, and she beat them all at presumably the age of 18, because she's a senior in high school, like I said. She had to have offers from all over the country. Granted, women's golf wasn't wasn't huge back then in the college ranks, so there weren't you know a huge number of programs. But still, she had to have gotten offers from every single one of them. The University of Tulsa started their program in their women's golf program. That is in 1974, so the year before Nancy would graduate um, high school under volunteer head coach Dale McNamara. And it was volunteer head coach at that time because the program had just started and they it wasn't varsity yet, technically. In 1975, Dale McNamara managed to convince Nancy Lopez, the top player in the country, top junior player in the country, to come to Tulsa, only a program that had only been around for one year. In that first season in college, Nancy won six tournaments, which in college golf, at least at that time, and still now, you don't really play that many tournaments. You play at max 12 or 13 now, and then they played nine. So the Hurricane, the Tulsa Hurricane is what their mascot is, won six of their nine tournaments, and Nancy Lopez also won six of the tournaments. It's interesting because before the NCAA sponsored women's programs and championships, they were only interested in men. And they really didn't have any interest in women's sports until um, the early 80s. But in 1974, or 1975, sorry, the Association for Intercollegiate Athletics for Women, it's a mouthful, AIAW for short, served the purpose of the NCAA for women's collegiate programs. So through this, and that was through the seventies that the AIAW was a national governing body for women's collegiate sports. So it wasn't just golf. It was all of the sports that women competed in at that time. In Lopez's first season, like the 75, 76 season that we were talking about where she won six tournaments, 
the team rode their success of also six tournament wins to a runner-up finish at the AIAW National Championship with Nancy Lopez, surprise, surprise, leading the way for them and winning the 1976 National Championship. Huge honor, huge win. for She was a freshman in college. Like, that's that's crazy. And because of her just amazing success, she also was a member of the United States Curtis Cup team, which is uh, one of the most prestigious um, teams that you can play on while you're a college player, and was a part of the World Amateur Team, which is another one of those. And to top it all off, she was the Female Athlete of the Year for Tulsa. In her sophomore season, she definitely did not have a sophomore slump. She won five tournaments and helped the team win seven of the ten tournaments that they played, earning them another trip to the AIAW National Championship. This time around, the team finished second once again, and Lopez fell just short, just short of that that back-to-back and finished second as well. In her sophomore seasons, that would be the 76-77 season, she finished with a 72.52 stroke average. So they calculate that as par being 72. And, you know, your stroke average is just the average number of strokes, pretty self-explanatory, that you have per round. So hers was 72.52, which is still, which is currently, it was a record then, is currently the lowest in, third lowest, I apologize, in program history. So in two years with Tulsa, Lopez compiled 11 wins, the most in Tulsa women's golf history to date, the lowest single season stroke average at that time. She led the team to two runner-up finishes in the AIAW National Championship. She won the 1976 National Championship, then was a runner-up the next year, and was a two-time first-team All-American. Pretty fantastic stretch. Those first two years were nothing short of unbelievable. But following her sophomore season with Tulsa, after really, she's like, hey, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. <laughs> she decided to take her talents to the next level and to turn professional at the age of 20. So we're going to take our first break real quick before we really get into her professional career. We'll be right back. In 1977, Nancy Lopez made her debut on the Ladies Professional Golf Association, or LPGA, tour. So that was the, still is, the leading professional golf um, circuit for women in the world. Around that time, the LPGA was suffering something of an identity crisis. Uh, The star power that they had well, it really wasn't that present. They definitely had good players, but they just didn't have the charisma. They didn't have the personality. Um, so the the tour was having a hard time finding someone to really rally around and push them over the edge in terms of popularity and things like that. Two days prior to the summer LPGA final qualifying tournament, Nancy Lopez played in and finished second in the U.S. Women's Open. So, got her second 
second place finish in the U.S. Women's Open. At so then two days later at the LPGA final qualifying tournament, she finished third, which gave her exempt status on the LPGA tour. So for those of you who don't know golf that well, in order to play on the LPGA tour at that time or the PGA tour, you had to qualify, which means you basically had to prove that you were good enough. So there were tournaments that were held and they're still held today. It's just a different system that would basically, depending on your finish, would give you what's called status on the LPGA or PGA tours. So depending, I don't, it, I tried to find it, but I couldn't find the exact um, parameters for the finishes. But if you finish, let's say in the top 10, then you have exempt status for the next full season of the LPGA tour. If you finish, you know, 10th to 20th, you have three quarters of the season exempt status and it goes down from there. So Nancy Lopez, by finishing third in that qualifying tournament, gave her full exempt status on the LPGA tour. And she wasted no time, really. After qualifying, she then finished second in her first two professional LPGA starts, which really set the table for her what would be her actual rookie season. In 1978, she set the world on fire in her official rookie season of 1978. Her first victory of the season, first professional victory overall, came on February 26th at the Bent Tree Classic, where she took a one-stroke victory. Then on March 12th, she won the Sunstar Classic. And then on May 14th, she won the Greater Baltimore Classic. And then on May 21st, she won the Coca-Cola Classic. That one she won in a playoff, which means if you're tied at the end of the tournament, then you basically go up against the person you're tied with. And the first one to, then it goes into match play, like I explained earlier, where it's a head-to-head on each hole. Whoever wins the next hole wins the tournament. So if you're keeping up, that's four wins already. Then on May 29th, the next week, she won the Golden Lights Championship. And then after that, she did really the unthinkable, not necessarily unthinkable, but pretty amazing. She won the LPGA championship by six strokes. So the LPGA championship was, was a major and there are majors in professional golf on the men's side. They have tournaments like the U S open, the open or the British open, uh, PGA championship, things like that. On the women's side, it's the exact same thing. They have the LPGA championship, they have the women's US Open tournaments like that, that are, they're called majors because they're the four biggest tournaments of the year. And really, it's the stiffest competition of the year. So those are the most important tournaments everyone wants to win. So in her first, in her rookie season, she already won a major. And to put that in perspective, there are a number of great players that never even won one major in their career. Because like I said, it's the stiffest competition there is in the game. And she won one already as her fifth victory of her career that had started a couple months earlier. 
It also is great in how she did it. She really dominated from wire to wire. In professional tournaments, you play four rounds. So that's four 18-hole rounds or 72 holes. And after 54 holes, so after three rounds, she entered the final round with a five-stroke lead. And then in the last go-around, she shot a two under 70 to get to 14 under par on the King's Island course. So if you know where King's Island, the amusement park is, there's a golf course there in Mason, Ohio. She not only did her skills really put her over the top, but also was her personality. She was a great person and was a fantastic golfer. And the LPGA commissioner, Ray Volp, said after she won the LPGA championship, said Nancy is certainly one of the best things that has happened to the LPGA. And there was no doubt about that. And what was great is with that LPGA victory, LPGA championship victory, she had now won a tournament every every week for four weeks. So she had won four tournaments in a row, which tied the all-time record for the number of tournaments won in a row for the LPGA. And she won it in front of a record crowd of 20,000 people. And after she did, she said, now that I have four in a row, I'd like to break the record and win five in a row. I mean, naturally, why would you? So on June 18th, the Bankers Trust Classic teed off. And Nancy Lopez was down five shots after the first two rounds. And, you know, that bid for her fifth straight tournament win in a row looked like it, you know, was a moot point and that she would just keep tied with the other players who had won four. But she made up the ground in the final two rounds and won her seventh tournament of the year by one stroke and won her fifth tournament in a row, setting the LPGA record that still holds to this day. It was tied by another fantastic golfer, Annika Sorenstam, in 2005. To close out her rookie season, she won two more times, once at the Colgate European Open in England, and then the final event on the LPGA calendar, the Colgate Far East Open in Malaysia. So to recap her rookie season, she had nine wins, which was seven more than any rookie golfer ever, man or woman. So the record for for women's golf was one win as a rookie. The record for men's golf was two wins as a rookie, and she had nine. Obviously, like I said, she had five straight victories. She won $190,000, just a little, just a, a skosh over $190,000, which is the most by a rookie man or woman once again, and almost 40,000 more than the PGA, so the men's record. And that 190,000 was also the most by any LPGA golfer in a calendar year ever. And I'm, I'm about halfway done. She won the rookie of the year and the player of the year, and then also won the Vare Trophy, which is the award for the player with the lowest stroke average, 
which she set the record for that as well with an average of 71.76. She still to this day is the only player ever to win all three of those in the same season. Despite her success, she stayed humble and was beloved by everybody. Because she was a genuinely nice person with a great personality. And the most important part, she was a fantastic golfer. Like you could absolutely not deny her skills. And because of how great she was in all facets of the game and as a person, she became the face of the LPGA. In 1979, she had was quoted saying, you know, she didn't want to be a flash in the pan, meaning that she didn't want to be basically a one-hit wonder and have one great season and fade off. And she definitely was not. She won the Sunstar Classic to become the youngest player ever to 10 victories on the LPGA at 22 years, 2 months, and 5 days old. For that season, she won seven more times. She won, I'll rattle them off for you, the Sahara National Pro-Am, Women's International, Coca-Cola Classic, Golden Lights Championship, Lady Keystone Open, Colgate European Open, and the Mary Kay Classic. To close out the season, she again was the biggest money winner. She won $197,000. She was the Ver Trophy winner. Uh, 71.2 was her stroke average for the year and broke her own record that she set the year before and was also the player of the year. Becoming the first person ever to win Rookie of the Year, Player of the Year, and then the Vare Trophy, the last two, twice in two years of playing. The next year in 1980, she won three times the Women's Kemper Open, the Sarah Coventry, and the Rail Charity Golf Classic, which would be her 20th career win. And she was, yet again, the youngest to that number as well, at 23 years, 7 months, and 26 days old. Over the next three seasons, she had seven victories and won her second major at the Colgate Dinah Shore. That is no longer a major now. That's been renamed to one of the majors they have now. I'm not sure which one. And in 1983, passed the $1 million mark in career earnings. That was a big year for her, as she also gave birth to her first child, Ashley, and still won two more times that year, and then two more times in 1984. In 1985, she collected five more victories, including her third major, which was her second win at the LPGA Championship. She also posted an unbelievable 21 top 10 finishes, which netted her the third LPGA Player of the Year award. Her yearly earnings hit another record and she obviously led the, the tour with it with $416,472. And surprise, surprise, won another Vair trophy with a 70.73 stroke average. Just 
setting her setting records year after year, breaking, break, smashing her own records from before. She was unstoppable. And on that note, we'll take our second break and then continue with Nancy Lopez's amazing career when we get back. In 1987, she won her 35th tournament and qualified for the LPGA Tour Hall of Fame, not because of the 35th tournament win, but because she had played 10 years on the LPGA Tour and was inducted on July 20th, just six months after she was eligible, as the 11th member of the Hall of Fame. Through the rest of the 80s and into the early 90s, she achieved another Player of the Year award, still reeled in another 11 victories, and then crossed the $2 million in career earnings plateau in 1988, then got to $3 million in 1990 and $4 million in 1994. So she was a rich woman because she was amazing at golf. In 1997, she won her 48th tournament, uh, which would turn out to be the last one of her, her career. Later in the year, she became the first player ever to record four rounds in the 60s at the U.S. Women's Open, but still was not able to get the win and came in second for the fourth time in her career. And that meant that she would not be able to get that elusive U.S. Women's Open victory, but she still had 48 other victories and $5 million in earnings, so I think she was doing okay. In the years leading up to her farewell tour in 2002, which is when she officially retired from golf, but or from the PG, LPGA, but she specifically said she did not retire from golf. She's just starting a new chapter. She had some health issues, and after needing a few surgeries that limited her ability to play, uh, her ability to be able to physically play and also be able to get to the tournaments and whatnot. She retired in 2002, like I said. And while still playing a little bit after then, she the, her biggest accomplishment was captaining the Solheim Cup team in 2005, which beats the world team. So the Solheim Cup is similar to the Ryder Cup that the PGA or the men do where it's the United States and it's a team of players versus the world, which is a team comprised of players from around the world. She made a little bit of a comeback, I guess you could say, playing in six LPGA Tour events in 2007. But, I mean, it was probably just so that she could kick the tires and see how she was doing and probably just get out there and have some some fun with some competition because she really didn't have much success. For her complete LPGA career, she accumulated $5.3 million in career earnings, which had to have been the record then. It's not the record now, but it had to have been when she retired. She also finished with 48 victories, which now is seventh in LPGA history, and 49 top 10 finishes, which... I mean, if that's not consistency, I don't know what is. Aside from the playing awards that she got and the 
money and the tournament titles. She also got a slew of other awards in her time playing golf. And just to give you a few, she was inducted to the PGA World Golf Hall of Fame in November of 1989, which is a huge accomplishment. She got the Flo Hyman Award in 1992, presented by the Women's Sports Foundation. She was a recipient of the USGA's United States Golf Association, um, their 1998 Bob Jones Award to recognize distinguished sportsmanship in the game of golf. Bobby Jones was known as one of the greatest sportsmen there ever was, and she she earned that award because she was a phenomenal sportsman as well, or sportswoman, I guess you should say. She was recognized during the LPGA's 50th anniversary in 2000 as one of the LPGA's top 50 players and teachers ever, which is awesome. She was also named to Hispanic Business Magazine's list of 80 elite Hispanic women in 2003. She also got the Billie Jean King Contribution Award from the Women's Sports Foundation in 2003. Billie Jean King was a wonderful tennis player and was huge for women's rights especially surrounding sports so that's a really big award as well and then 2004 she got the francis we met award for a lifelong contributions to golf because she's just been she's been working with golf and around golf for her whole life and making it so much better in the process and she was also inducted into the new mexico new mexico high school hall of fame the georgia hall of fame the University of Tulsa Hall of Fame. She's in all kinds of Hall of Fames. And past her golf career, she's actually now the founder and principal owner of the Nancy Lopez Golf Company, which is a apparel and equipment company for women's golf golfers. So that's uh, that's something that she does now and still has to this day. Despite the fact that she retired in 2002 and last played in 2007, she still has a large presence around the LPGA and will have a lasting legacy around the game of golf forever. She sponsors an annual tournament known as the Lopez Hospice Golf Classic and another tournament that benefits Windshape, which is an organization that provides children with foster care. She was a fierce competitor in her time, but was also courteous towards fans and fellow players, which, like I, I mentioned toward the beginning, was just why, why she caught fire and became the most popular, probably golfer really at that point, than anyone before her, because she was likable and she was great. That usually doesn't go hand in hand. Along with her accomplishments, like we keep, like I keep saying, her many, many, many accomplishments, she was really a leading force in raising the popularity of women's golf to where it is today because she was so great when she started her rookie year and because she was able to follow that up and continue to be great, she raised the profile of women's golf immensely and I mean, it's, it still has work to do today. It's still not one of the most popular sports there is, but it is well above where it would have been minus Nancy Lopez. Not only was she the face of golf and leading force in the popularity, she was also, during her career and after now, a visible spokesperson 
for women's rights and Latino issues. So she was a great golfer, great person, and also wanted to stand up for people and make sure that they got their due. She was obviously both uh, a woman and Latino, and those two things were very important to her. And she made sure that she spoke up for what she believed in. And she still does now. She's she's in her 60s now and is still fighting for the different issues and still sponsoring the tournaments that she, that those two tournaments that she has for the charitable organizations and things like that. And really women's golf would not be what it is today if not for Nancy Lopez. Not only because of her competitive spirit and success, but also because of the kind and genuine type of person that she was and is. Her ability to dominate the field and build a huge loyal fan base were second to none, and she will always be considered one of the greatest to ever play the game. That's all for this episode of Sports History 101. I know that golf may not be or isn't one of the sports that most people follow, but I do hope that this might cause a few people to tune in to a tournament here soon whether that's a men's tournament or a women's tournament, it really is a high level of competition. And it does take a little bit, little bit to, to get into a little bit of prior knowledge and things, but golf is a great sport that you can play from the time that you're five years old to when you're 85 years old. So if you want to watch the best in the world, do it, you know, flip on the, the golf channel or, CBS on Sundays because they usually will carry the PGA tournament and whatnot. But anyway, I'll get off my soapbox on that. Until next time, everybody, stay safe and remember that Jesus loves you. Thanks for listening. Check out more content from the Saints Sports Network at saintsportsnetwork.home.blog.